Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Today we are talking to Latasha Watts. Latasha is the founder of The Purple Project, and we've actually had her on the podcast before, so you can go back and find that episode to learn more about Latasha. But today, Rob and I wanted to have Latasha on to talk about race, to talk about racism, um, in some ways as it applies to foster care and adoption, but also just to have a general conversation. We have this platform, we have a lot of listeners, and we want to be part of the change and educating people about what racism looks like in America and what's going on in the world right now. So thank you, Latasha, for being with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for um, inviting me again. Latasha, it is always a pleasure. You're your family. So you're always welcomed here. And I think that your voice and what you have to say is so, so important all the time. And especially, you know, as when we first got on the phone, today we talked about you know um america's it's going it's crazy right now but it's it's time i feel it in the air i um i know this is going to sound a little crazy and i haven't said this to dana and i haven't told this to anybody but just within the last couple of days um i have four beautiful 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 children and yeah they happen to be black and the thing that i noticed about one of them in the last several days is he seems to walk a little prouder and i don't know what that is i don't know if it's the fact that you know he feels like you know he's got a voice right now um which he has always had a voice in within our home but you know it's i feel it in the air Yeah, there's a shift in the air. Um, You know, growing up in in foster care, I mean, I was young, so I didn't understand racism at the time until I became in my teens. Um, And I think that possibly what your son may be experiencing is just, just becoming aware of everything that's around him. Because when you are really doing a great job as a parent, you it doesn't matter what color you are. You want to shield your kids from as much as possible, but you also want to teach them as well, you know. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, most of the time kids don't see color. not so way later on. And so I think that what your son may be experiencing is just being aware of everything now that is happening and just becoming more aware and, and learning more and, and feeling proud, you know, of, of who he is. Yeah, you know, and the fact is, I want him to be proud. But you know, I also, um, I'm not ignorant when it comes to the fact that that you know, before they see that sweet boy, um, they first see that black boy. And you know, I've experienced it with my own children. Um, I we were in a a department store, very large department store, and um, 
my son, um, who is 13, he looks like he's like 17, wears a size 12 shoe. He happened to be standing at the counter to pay for something that he wanted to purchase. And the way the person spoke to her, to my son, and, and I happened to be standing back, so they couldn't, they didn't know. I mean, I was this white guy just standing there. And I mean, I immediately, I, I, it, I had to rip into them. And I said, excuse me, why are you speaking to him like that? I was like, you know, um, it, it just, I, I've seen it firsthand and I, you have experienced it firsthand. Tell me, you know, you made a comment to me, people of color are not mad. Explain that to me. So it's not, I, I would say, no, we're mad. We're mad. I just think that we're, we want to change and we want to now and it has to be something that is done you know through the the system you know we have to change the laws we have to enforce the laws we have to make people accountable so i I would say that we're we're upset we're mad we're angry you know um and tired tired is the word that i use because um again this has been going on for generations this is not something new i think i mean what is happening is that we now have technology to really put it in the forefront. But this is nothing new. This has been happening over and over again in the to the black community, whether it's through, you know, the school, healthcare, whether it's, you know, of course the police that we see. I mean, look as far back as Rodney King. I mean, it's just it, this has been going and long before that. And I think what the biggest issue is is that we are we are mainly just tired. And we want to see change and we want to be treated equally, you know, as black and African-Americans. We want to be treated equally and fair. I've seen a lot of people say that, that they're tired. And I, you know, I have nothing to compare it to myself as a white woman. But I just think of, you know, how exhausting it is when you're telling your kids over and over again to do something and they won't do it. Like, just think about something that's so much bigger than that and the amount of frustration that has to go along with it. It's just like you must just feel like people are not listening and you you say it over and over and over again this has happened over and over and over and yet it doesn't feel like much has changed exactly exactly i made the comment that you know it, it, you know my grandmother couldn't vote until she was 40 you know so that's how we've only been voting for 55 years i made that comment earlier and i just you know i just it, it, it's powerful to to see what we're seeing now because honestly a lot of people say oh you know if, if the police officers get charged you know then then people the protesting will go away no the protesting is more and more people are coming out and and it's it's not just here in the united states we're seeing it now all over the world you see london you see all these places are like wait a second we're with you because we're tired too yeah you right. know that's what where the shift in the areas and it wasn't just you know because once they got arrested it was like okay they're arrested that's that's great let's keep going let's keep this going because we're tired and we want to see change how can we see change now i have said this i do not agree with the looting the rioting the destruction of property and businesses i mean we're coming you know we're right on the hill dealing with coronavirus and and to have this and people not even businesses not even be open and now some of them are you know destroyed and can't even recover period i don't condone that 
you know, but I will say what we saw was not right, but also the reporting of some of it was not correct as well. I agree. Because a lot of the looting and the rioting was not even done of people of color. What you didn't see, which it, it, sometimes it popped up in people's social media feeds, is people going live and had the bullhorns and, bullhorns and saying, hey, stop doing this. This is not for us. This is not what we want. You know, this is not, you know, this is not, please. You know, you had people blocking, you know, businesses. You had black people standing in black, you know, blocking businesses arm to arm saying, hey, stop the violence. And then you had groups that were coming in that weren't even in the, and then didn't even live in the state <laughs> coming in and starting all of this. But that's what you, what you didn't see was the, was people saying, stop, we don't want this. It was rare. You just saw all the violence. And at the end of the day, the black community gets blamed for it. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's what's disheartening because that's not what this movement is about. Yeah, I saw, I don't know if you saw this video of the two um, white women who were spray paint spray painting BLM on a Starbucks and a black woman yeah. was screaming at them saying, stop doing that. That's not for us. Don't do that. And we're going to get blamed for it. And these white women just kind of stood there and then they just walked away. Like, no, like they just didn't care. So it's those exactly. type of agitators that are starting a lot of this trouble. And you don't hear that much about them on the news or no. who are they or why are there these groups doing this, which, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I know that I know that our podcast is based on foster care and adoption and how it, things affect them. But, you know, to me, I think that there's so much more when it comes to what's going on in our country. And and we already know. I mean, we just posted just recently, Dana posted statistics about the number of children of color that are removed from a home compared to children um, who are white. And I just did an op-ed on the Hill, I think, a week or so ago, and I talked about the white woman who called in the middle of the night because she was out of formula and she called the police and the police brought her formula and you know Latasha as well as anybody if that would have been the inner city and that was a black woman who called for formula with her five kids they would have taken all five of those kids and called in neglect you know there is a line that people don't realize it is truly there when it comes to way people are treated of color compared to people like who are white and how we are treated it's there it's right in front of us and the thing that gets me is it's the number of you know we we have been saying this for over and over and over again we have the talk i mean we have we started the talk with our children at a very young age and and you know to to say to my children you know don't put your hands in your pockets when you're walking down the street you know you got to take the hoodie off don't have that hoodie on you know don't wear a do rag when you're in the car because you don't want to draw attention to people you know um if a police pulls us over everybody puts their hands on the dashboard i mean these are things that i'm having to have talks with my 10 year old my 12 year old my 15 year old um you know that white parents don't realize that but we have to have that conversation you know the the i i have to tell you this story that i haven't really shared with anyone my son, Makai, um, my sweet, sweet son, Makai, 13 years old, has a heart of gold. Two years ago for Halloween, he said, Daddy, I want to be a police officer for Halloween. I said, oh, I said, really? He said, yeah, I want to be a police officer. And so we go to the Halloween store and he sees this police officer's uniform and he's like, Dad, he's like, I want the holster and the guns. I said, no. And he says, but Dad, I can't be a 
police officer if I don't have the guns, Daddy? And I said, no. I said, you're not. I said, you can't. I can't have you walking down the street with a gun. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, if that was my white son who wanted that, he would have had that gun and had that holster, and I wouldn't have thought twice about it. But instead, my sweet boy who just wanted to be a police officer for Halloween couldn't because I was too scared for his life. Kids are living that every day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even here in Cleveland, we had the young the young man, unfortunately, life was taken. He had a toy gun. And so, you know, in all of, you know, second, and, and his life was taken and he had a toy gun. So, yeah, I, I definitely understand that, you know, um, definitely understand that talk. And, and, and in the black community, we do, we have that talk, you know, even... Even with our girls, we, you know, it's not just it's the young men, it's with our girls as well. You know, we have to have, we always say, you know, it's, it's the talk. It's the talk of, it's, the, it's basically talking about the, the you know, the bias of, of being black, the yeah. racial bias. And so, and that's really what we're talking about with our kids. And, you know, I really would have honestly would have hoped and prayed by now things would have gotten better. And they just, they just haven't, and they just haven't. What's happening is that they're being shown more. Yeah, I was, I agree with you. I was going to say that it's, it's like, I, this is, this is, you know, I keep hearing about, I just saw something today where we live. They just increased the budget for police. Um, I think it should be mandatory that every single police officer that walks out the door on and starts their, their patrol, their beat, whatever they call it, they have to turn the camera on. And the camera must stay on the entire time that they're working because the only reason that this is coming to life, the only reason that this we're seeing this, the only reason that just this week we saw, you know, more police officers that have been charged with, you know, pushing that that 74 year old um, man down when he was protesting him, but which, by the way, the first report stated that he tripped. And it wasn't until the camera video came out and showed that the police officers pushed him down. You know, every police officer should have to have a camera on. And every single station, police station, should have civilians along with authorities that review those 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 tapes. I mean, I just feel like we we have to do that. That's the only way we're going to protect our our country. You know, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. You know, I had a situation a couple years back where, you know, a family member was coming home and they were on their own street and they were coming home and um, was walking and they were walking like not on the actual sidewalk, but like right on the grass area because of skunks, <laughs> you know, it's like summertime, so skunks were out and they were coming home and um, all of a sudden the police stopped them. Route, the same route, come home every day, same time, same neighborhood. Police officer stopped them and said, you know, I, you're walking on the grass because of the street, because of the sun, huh? He said, yes. He said, oh, okay. He said, oh, well, where do you live? He says, I'm on my street. He says, well, where? He said, well, where do you live? He said, I live right there, about five houses down. I'm coming home from work. He said, oh, okay. Well, let me see some ID. Now, mind you, same route every day home, told you you're on the street, asked for some ID, and then he checked his ID and let him go about his way. The problem was you should have never stopped him. 
He wasn't bothering anybody. He was going home. He told you where he lived, but yet you needed to see ID. He wasn't walking in the street, just on a little grass. You had a little patch of grass in front of the house. <laughs> and he said, I live right there. That should have been it. Even if you waited and saw him go in the house, that should have been it. He wasn't bothering anybody, you know, anything. And I will say he was petrified to get stopped. It was like 1.30 in the morning because he came home every day at 1.30 in the morning from his job. So 1.30 in the morning, that is what the experience was in the neighborhood in which he had lived in for over 10 years. So stuff like that happens all the time. Just stops for no reason. Um, you know, oh, you fit the description. You looked very, you know, similar. Oh, there was a noise complaint in the area. I mean, you name it, there's a reason. I've been stopped in my car driving on the, down the street a block away from my home, just driving, and the police officer stopped me and said, oh, well, I don't think you came to a complete stop. He stopped me, checked my ID, and gave me a warning. I come that route every day coming home, but I got stopped because, oh, I don't think, now, the key words, I don't think you made a complete stop. So it, it, it's just interesting to see, but even then when I was stopped, I mean, I was wondering right then and there, do I got scissors on the side of my door? What do I have? Because I'm, you know, I'm always a crafter, so I'm crafting and making things. And <laughs> I'm working with kids, so it's always some markers, some, you know, glue guns. It's, it's always something in my car. I mean, if you, you know, if anybody needs a training, I, I can all I do is open up the trunk of my car and I can go do <laughs> to a training. So, so, but you think like that. You think about, what, am I doing everything correct when you're stopped? Wow. You know? And, you know, and I've had experiences with my with my child in school, my child in school, you know, trying to fight to get her in advanced classes, even though she tested. So I have to, this is a little brag, I guess, on my daughter. She tested superior genius with a high IQ in F5. And she came into kindergarten reading Judy Bloom books. True story. I'm not making this up. Wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah, Judy, the teacher was so amazed. She kept, she went into her own personal stash and started sending her home with books. But the problem was the system that we were in at the time didn't want to accommodate her gift. And so we used to have to fight like year after year trying to fight the system to get her in, you know, pull out classes that existed, by the way. It wasn't things that we were asking for. I want to be real clear on extra you know, extra, you know, educational supplements. We weren't asking for that. We're asking for something that already existed that you already had in your system that you wouldn't give my child. But we saw other kids that weren't of color that were getting pulled out of class and being able to, you know, go and get the extra support and extra help, you know. So you see it all the time in the educational system. You know, we had to have her independently tested, by the way, to make sure that they understood what we were, what we already knew, the school was supposed to pay for it. But guess what? They wanted to put her on a waiting list. So it just the list. I got stories for days of just things that we've seen that have occurred. You know, that's just, you know, that 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 is nothing new. That's occurring across the country, across the world, probably. You know. And it is across the world. 
You know, yeah. I mean, we just saw today where they tore the statue down of the gentleman who, and he's, I don't consider him a gentleman because he sold all those, the, those, um, people to America. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, people are tired. You know, the big surprise for me and, and tell, Tell me how you feel about this. So, you know, the the NFL just stepped up and they finally made a comment that, you know, um, they were wrong um, when it came to how um, the protests, the people were protesting. And they didn't come right out and say by taking a, a, a knee during the national anthem, um, but they, they, they stepped up. And the reason I'm asking that question is, do you believe that people can truly change do you believe that people who um, at one point had such a negative response of Black Lives Matter um, can can change? I believe that anybody can change. I think it will be fair, unfair to say that they couldn't, you know. Um, but I think the timing of how you change or, or create this change uh, that you're stating you have and you're, and you're, you're mentioning, you know, the NFL, the timing to me is 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 off. Does that make sense to me? Yeah. Since you like the timing of it off. Well, it's the like, timing of it, like I'm going to do this now because of the protests and everything. I want to come out and I want to do this now. What changed all of a sudden to make you want to do this now? Is it that now? Oh, you now have this, you know, this this this, this thought of hey, well. Uh, they're protesting and everything. I don't want them to. So I have the question to ask myself, which is just personal now. What well, is it that you want to make sure if, when you do sell tickets, you want to sell them? Like what, what is really behind this decision now all of a sudden when you have, you know, Colin Kaepernick without a job? Well, technically, you know, he's, his, his football career is over. So was over. So how, how do you, how, why now, I guess, is, is, it will be my, my reasoning behind it. You know, right. So sometimes your intentions, I guess your intentions are what really would make me, what are your intentions now? Right. Is it just that they now they know they look like total jerks, so they're coming forward and making this statement yeah. just to jump on the bandwagon and look good? Or are they actually going to, I mean, I guess the, the future will tell whether or not they're sincere in what they do moving forward to support Black Lives Matter, to support diversity, to support, you know, all kinds of other things that will go along with what they're saying now. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's just see what happens. I'll tell you something as well that was interesting that we learned when during COVID, during COVID, and they had all of the, the business loans and grants. Um, we're learning now that uh, that there is a lower percentage of businesses, of Black-owned businesses, that actually receive the money versus our white counterparts. So even during COVID, there has been issues, you know? So it, it's like it's, it's long-lasting. It's systematic. It's, it's just you have to change. You have to start to change slowly from, you know, I don't even know which way to start. Like I said, we're tired. Whether you start from the bottom up or the up down, or you know the top down, it just has to happen in a way. And I don't think that we're going to find an answer today, tomorrow. I think that change has to come, and someone has to say, "Listen, I'm going to I'm going to help to create this change." So when you see the congresswomen out there, you know, protesting, and you start to see the police officers take the knee. Um, 
that's when you start to see change when people start to really say, look, this has to, this has to stop. Yeah. Also, I want to say something else too, and I'm going to leave it right here because I don't want to get into a big conversation about it. You know, leadership matters. Yes. Leadership matters in how you handle what's happening in America today. It matters how you handle it because everybody needs a great leader to take over and say, this is what needs to happen. Let's try to figure this out. Let's work together for everybody that is in America. I agree. So, I, I agree 100% with absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that we, one thing that I really have been impressed with is some of the leaders who have really stepped up and have, have voiced their opinion, you know, um, not only amazing leaders like President Obama, but President Bush and President Carter and, you know, Marion Bowser of the DC mayor. I mean, so many amazing, amazing people have stepped up and, and have been yeah. trying to take that leadership role. You know, this is the thing that worries me the most. And again, Again, I know that we like we talk about foster care, and this is where our drive is, and we understand that children in the system are definitely treated differently than um, white children um, are treated differently than children of color. Um, but this is one thing that I hope that continues to happen, and I am kind of I am kind of fearful of this, and so, and I'm just voicing, as you said, your opinion. This is just my opinion. Um, I don't want this movement to stop. I'm I'm kind of scared that you know um, that it's you know all of a sudden we had this amazing rally over the weekend and and I just I don't want it to stop. I, it reminds me of um, you know Brianna Taylor and everybody you know she just had a birthday. She just celebrated a birthday. Yeah. You know she's yeah. she's asleep in her apartment. Um, the police come in and they shoot her eight times and she is dead and nobody has brought charges up against those police officers. There is no investigation being done at those police officers. And what I, what I am probably the most angry about is that I feel like in March when this happened, um, there was a cry and then I just felt like, and I understand the coronavirus came, but these are innocent humans being shot and killed. I mean, we, there needs to be some justice for, for people like Breonna Taylor. And, and I just feel like it just came, seems to, we, we get in this big rally. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and then it's, it stops. And I hope that we don't stop. That's something about Martin Luther King. I will tell you that that um, I absolutely, I, I admire him for so many things, but I really do believe that he brought the people together and he kept the march going. I hope we keep the march going. Yeah, and it has to be changed. I mean, we have to get to the polls. We have to vote. We have to, you know, we have to create change. We have to, you know, get, you know, get, you know, get the laws changed. We are the people. We can control some of what's happening. We can control all of it, honestly, if we just vote and get in and start to dig into politics and try to change it, try to change things as best as we can. Again, that also goes back to the systematic, you know, racism and, you know, that we experience and, and, and that we have to change the system some kind of way. I mean, but we have to be able to get out there and vote. The one thing that I, I will say 
is what what really, you know, I always say really gets me is when I hear people really complain about things and then I, I ask them, I say, Well did you did you vote? Did you get out there? Did you what did you do um to try to make a difference? And they say, Oh, I didn't vote because my vote doesn't count and I'm like, Whoa, 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 wait a second. You have to vote. You have to vote. You have to get out there and let your voice be be heard because your vote counts whether you do it or not it still counts because it will count for the other person that maybe we didn't want in there <laughs> yep. you know you better believe or whatever it. that we needed to change <laughs> you know so so i think that you know it's 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 just gonna it's gonna take even more time i will say this the generation of people, protesters that are out there now, and we always say the babies that are out there now, they are different. And they are loud and they are saying no more. And so the energy and the air of everything is different. You know, and th- that's what I believe. I believe that it's different because they're more knowledgeable and they're, and they're more knowledgeable earlier. Think about it. I didn't learn about, you know, you know, and, and probably some of this is because I grew up in, in foster care, too, but I didn't learn about racism and slavery and things like that until I got to eighth grade and eighth grade. You know, I didn't learn. But these kids are learning. They have social media. They have Google. Anything you want to learn, they're going to Google it and they're going to learn it. <laughs> you know, so it's different because they're able to get the information quicker than we ever have before. Well, and I also think that it has to do with, it starts at home, it has to do with parents and how, you know, my generation, I'm 42, so how we're teaching our kids. And I mean, I know growing up in my neighborhood, there was only one black family in the neighborhood. And my dad would say things like, oh, they're black, but they're very nice. And he would teach us, you know, that everybody's equal and we should be nice to people. But there was that like underhanded prejudice that he didn't probably realize that he was passing on to us. And so now, you know, I have a 16 year old who's gone to three protests in the last couple of days and has been posting all over social media and she gets it. And so I can see where, you know, and I feel like in my generation that we now know better than what our parents inherited from their parents because then you have you know my my grandmother who was outwardly you know they we shouldn't mix you know white people stay with white like all that stuff and that's what I grew up listening to and thankfully I know better and learned about people and got to know people of diverse people but I think that it's been passed down and a lot of white people, they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to admit that they have those prejudices because that's how they were taught. And I was never taught to hate anybody, but there was all of there, there was that racism that came down through generations. And so, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I'm proud of my daughter and that she knows she sees the injustice. She knows it exists and she wants to be a part of the change instead of continuing to perpetuate um, the stereotypes and that kind of injustice. And that, you know what, and that's where the change is. And that's, that's where the change has to come. It has to come at home. You know, growing up, I had a friend, I couldn't even, you know, I didn't understand it then. I understand it now more so, you know, ever more so than ever. I couldn't, she couldn't have black friends really. And he used to make her friends 
stand at the end of the drive and in the not even the end of the driveway. We had to stand like almost near the street when we would pick her up to go to school. And I just or to go to an event that was at school. Even though she wasn't like that, her parents were. And so you just you know, but she's not like that at all. But her parents were and I think it just has to at some point, at some generation it just has to has to stop and slow down and, and you know, there's a video right now of a young man who, I don't know, I, I can't see his face, but he's a father, and he calls his son over, and I don't know if you guys saw this, he says, what, you, you, he has like a couple of pictures up of, you know, kids that are black and white and they're mixed in, and he goes, he goes, who is this? He said, oh, it's a girl and a boy. He goes, well, you know anything about them? They're smiling. You know, then he goes to the next one, and he says, who is this? He said, oh, it's two girls. It looks like they're having fun. They're playing when he asks them what are they doing. Never once as he goes through all of this does he even recognize color. And, it's, and you know, it, it's so disheartening that the color of someone's skin matters that much when we all have the same heart, liver, lung. You know, we, we all have the same, you know, blood flowing through our bodies. We're human. And that's yep. it. Yep. That's, that's how I taught my daughter. We're human. You know, I taught her that, that very early on, you know, that, you know, be, of course, be proud of who you are, but also you treat everybody the same. You know, you have to. You treat everybody the same. It's, it's what you're supposed to do. You know, I'm going to tell you something. You mentioned something about they're so nice. My daughter used to get this, and I, and I think, and I know that, you know, they, they didn't mean much by it. They didn't, they didn't even realize it like your dad. She would get this. Oh, your daughter's behaved so well. Oh, she's so well spoken. Oh, she's she's oh she's great. She can come over. And we would just sit here like they don't even realize that they're doing it. Right. You know, you don't realize it. Oh, there's she's so well behaved, you know. And um it just was one of those things. I mean, we went and we would go to events at the school, you know, that parents would have at the school and I never forget this. This one lady took us through her house, and um, she had visited Africa, and she took all the black people through her house so we could see all of the African statues and everything that she had while her other friends sat on her deck and, you know, why the kids played by the pool. But all of us were in the house looking at all of the African art and everything, and she probably, again, didn't realize it, but she should have brought all of us in there to look at everything that she had done. But she really wanted to show us that she had gotten these pieces from Africa and that she wanted to show us. But she didn't realize how offensive that came off to to everybody that was there that was black, you know. So it, it's stuff like that that I've experienced later on in life that, you know, sometimes you got to say people realize it, don't realize what they're doing. And sometimes you have to say, no, they do know what they're doing. So right. We have to change behavior. Well, we have I, to change it and not make excuses for it, too, you know. Right. I think we have to have these type of conversations. And I think we have to make people, you know, feel comfortable with coming forward and say, hey, you know what? That was that was offensive. Or, hey, you shouldn't say things like that. And as yeah. white people, like, I haven't read it yet, but everybody's sharing the book White Fragility about how, you know, why it's so difficult to talk to white people about race because they just don't want to even acknowledge that they're part of a system that even if they're not intentionally doing it, that they're part of a system that is oppressing other people. 
Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of my friends that are white are saying, you know, we're embarrassed. Like, they're embarrassed that this is even still a thing that their great-great-grandparents were dealing with or their parents. And so now they're saying they're embarrassed. We're sorry. We're embarrassed for this. This is not who we are, you know. And and so I just think, yeah, you're right. I think that we're that it's going to take just the correction of you know being you know just correcting, you know just correcting people, you know is is you know as nice as you can, especially when you know they really sometimes they really don't mean it. But yeah, making people accountable and correcting the action. I mean, we do it all. Think about it. We do this all the time with our kids. We do this all the time with our kids. We make them, you know, we make them accountable for their actions, you know, and we have to do that with adults yep. that are not doing things correctly. And I think that that's part of the issue as well and not making excuses, you know. You know, that's another thing, too. When I was taught growing up, everything isn't black and white. Everything's not racist. You know, you got a kid, you, you can't say everything is racist. And I was taught that everything's not racist. Then later on, you go back and you play the scenarios back in your in your mind, and you say, "Oh, wait a minute, yes, that was racist," you know. But you're taught not to 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 think that way and be that way, and I think that that's part of the issue that we're seeing now as well. Absolutely, I agree. Because we're taught to suppress it, and you I know. I do want to say that I think that just from what I've seen with my own people that I'm friends with on Facebook or former coworkers or just people that are acquaintances is that I have seen quite a few um, white people say, I get it now when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I used to be an all lives matter person because that's truly what I believe right. is that all lives matter and that black people were included in, in that. But now I get why it's important that we elevate Black Lives Matter because for so long their lives haven't mattered to so many people and in our society. And so I think that people, there is a shift right now and you're never going to change everyone's heart and everyone's mind. There's people out there that are always just going to be horrible. Racist. <laughs> that are always just going to be horrible right. racists, yeah. and they're you're never going to change those people. But there are a lot of people who are who seem to be coming around and waking up and realizing, oh my gosh, I am part of this system. And yes, absolutely, white privilege is a thing and it exists. And now, what can we do to work together to fix it? Yeah, and I think that we also, the, the, at, at least what I see within in our community, and I, it's really of upsetting to me is there's a lot of bashing because you know people feel like they're not doing enough or you're you know why are you why are you taking your kid to this march when you really haven't done anything well you know there's always a time to educate there's always a time to learn there's always a time for us to do better than we did the day before and who's right is it to anybody to say one person's not doing enough you you don't know what's happening in my home and in my heart and you know I think that if we could learn anything from all of the things that we've we've seen in the last you know 11 days is the one thing that I've seen is I've seen a rainbow of people coming out um, I've yeah. seen people of all ages coming out I've seen during the, the the only pandemic we've ever lived in in our life where people are putting their health at risk and coming out um, but you know Latasha as we end this this podcast and by the way this is such it, 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 this definitely goes down in one of my favorite podcasts because um, wh what would you what would you like to to 
tell everybody? What would you, first of all, I, I got to real quick to interrupt that. I want people to please, please, please follow the Purple Project, purpleproject.org. Please follow them. But if there's anything that you could tell somebody right now, Latasha, what would it be? To understand what our fight is and to really look at the history. I mean, look at the statistics, look at what's going on now and understand what's going on and help us to create the change that is needed for us to be treated humanely and equally. You know, that would be my wish. And get out and vote. <laughs> get out vote. and vote, please. Oh, I love that. Get out and vote. You know, just understand it because I think that what's happening is people are not that are not of color that don't understand all of this. And it's just like, I wish everybody would go in their homes. You know, they've been arrested. Please, please, please do your due diligence by really reading and understanding what's going on and just look at different outlets. Don't just go to one source. Please don't just go to one source. Look at different credible outlets and read and learn up on the history of what's happening because this is not something that's new. This is not something that is just because of George Floyd. It is he started this. He's, it, unfortunately, his death was the platform for this to happen. And his daughter, you know, beautiful daughter said, my daughter, my daddy is, is going to change the world. And, and he is because of this. Unfortunately, his life was taken in order for this to even be where it is today. So definitely get out and vote and please understand what is happening before you pass judgment and get out and help. Help to create, help us to create change. Help us create change. Be part of the change. Listen, everybody, you can hear this podcast on all of our platforms. Yes, yeah, so we are at, at comfortcases.org slash podcast. That's where you can always go to get the show notes, to get the links to the Purple Project, links to follow Latasha on social media and um, all of that. And then also we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, and TuneIn. So all those podcast platforms you can Look up Fostering Change. And do us a favor. Make sure that you share. Share this podcast. This is one podcast that I will tell you everybody should listen to. We all need to be part of the change. And that's how we're all going to make this world a better place. Latasha, again, I'm so lucky to call you my friend. Dana and I, when when all of this has happened, we, you are the first ones we thought, you are the first person we thought of, and we immediately reached out to you. So I love you, my sister, that we can we always stay connected. And I can't wait for us to talk again. Everybody, please do yep. us a favor. Be a part of the change because we all have that opportunity. Take care. Thank you, Latasha. Bye bye, Latasha. Bye-bye. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.